Hello everybody and welcome to yet another one in our series of financial well-being podcasts. My name's David Lloyd. I'm a, a writer, a broadcaster, an actor and the friend of um, my co-presenter Chris Budd. Chris. Good morning. What a beautiful day it is too. Well, it is lovely, except not as beautiful as it was where I've just been. I've just come back from my holidays. You're jealous now because you haven't had yours. Except... You didn't take long to shoe on that one in, did you? Well, it's important that, I, that people know that I have a life away from this podcast. That's true. That is, so I've just true. come back. I only had a week. had a week in uh, Puglia, which is the uh, heel of the boot of Italy. We had a lovely, lovely time. Oh, we like Italy. Warps. Yeah, very relaxing. You know, normally there's always a little bit of me at the end of a holiday that's quite looking forward to getting home and back into my routine. There was not one single fibre of my being that wanted to come home this time. I was so relaxed. Well, that just makes us all feel really special, David. Well, that's you. okay. <laughs> but now I'm back and I've realised that obviously it's the Financial Wellbeing Podcast that truly gives meaning to my life. So <laughs> it's a huge joy now not to be sitting next to a pool in 35 degree temperatures. <laughs> and I'm back here in your sitting room talking about money. So what are we going <laughs> to? What are we going to chat on money that I have a lot less of now because I've just paid for an expensive holiday? Today we're going to have uh, an interview with Simon Reed, a personal finance journalist who's lots of really practical stuff to talk about about the nuts and bolts of daily finances. Uh, we've been talking in these podcasts a bit recently, and we'll do again about the theoretical stuff like financial capability. So we thought it'd be good to hear from someone like Simon, who's a consumer champion and who spends his time with the reality of money. He's a really good chap and good fun. Excellent. Um, but before we go on to that, we must also share with our listeners uh, the fact that you very recently had a significant birthday, Chris. <laughs> yes, I was 50 recently, David. Thank you for bringing And you me. had a lovely party. And I have to say, publicly, I'm going to thank you very much for an absolutely wonderful evening. Yeah, it was great fun, wasn't it? And I tell you what, if you're going to have a bucket list and tick something off, then playing your own uh, gig in your own band with your son on stage with you at your 50th birthday that's got to be up there hasn't it it was great and fun. me in the audience obviously naturally yeah. naturally yeah. <laughs> no it was great it was a great night it was great well night. one of the things about that is um an old very old friend of mine is a danish chap called jacob we met when we were traveling in my uh, when i was 18 and we stayed in touch and then lost touch and we recently got back in touch he was bestest friend and so um we were sat after the party out in our back garden and we were experiencing huga Huga, I oh, know, Huga's quite in now, isn't it, at yeah. the moment? Well, it's been in quite a long time in Denmark. Yes, but it's quite in in the UK now. <laughs> yes, um, and it's, well, there's a book called The Year of Living Danishly, which has been doing the rounds, hasn't it? But Huga is a great concept, and it really is, well, my wife thinks it's candles. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no doubt that candles play a part, but it's just sitting around having a glass of wine or a cup of coffee and a chat with your friends in nice circumstances with cushions and candles, it seems to me. And we had big hooga, if that's an appropriate use of the word. And I, I quite like the idea that, that countries have a word, languages have a word to describe well-being, and hooga, I think, is quite a good one. So I do think about what other countries, other languages would have words that describe well-being. So we might have a little thought. If anybody wants to tweet us or email us on the, what Julie will tell you at the end of this podcast, all the details, I'd love to hear any other words in different languages for the equivalent of hygge. That's right. It seems to me it's about just stopping, isn't it? Just stopping and smelling the flowers and not feeling that you have to be constantly striving to achieve, maybe just reflecting yeah. on what you've got around you. And that might be so. friends, it might be family, might be candles. <laughs> I think, but it's also companionship. 
Mm. You know, one of the things we talked about in the financial well-being book is that uh, the companionship of others is one of the most important aspects of well-being. Um, and Huga is right in that. Area. Right, let's move on. We're, we're, we're chatting away merrily here. But Do you remember, David, last podcast, uh, we had some looky-likes of you and your stories of James not Hatfield. Not no. Well, no, it is James Hetfield. I, what did we call him? I, I, James Beddingfield. It <laughs> goes to show how little I know about rock music. I said that I'd been mistaken for James Beddingfield, the lead singer of Metallica. I was immediately deluged on Twitter once uh, once the podcast went out, pointing out that his name is Hetfield. So uh, apologies for that. So you can find the tweet uh, comparing you with James Hetfield on on our Twitter account. Um, we have a, another looky likey, however, our producer Tom. Um, has a looky-likey, which uh, in great radio I'm going to show you a picture of. So I'm now showing David a picture of Graham Smith, this South African oh, cricket my, And captain. you're holding it up next to Tomo. It, and can you, you tell can the difference? absolutely see it. So clearly now, when Tomo goes out and plays cricket, the opposition are going, hang on a minute, Yeah, he's a ringer. That's, that's Graham Smith. <laughs> well... To my understanding, he's one of the best openers that's ever played. Yeah, so there's a lot in common then, clearly. Absolutely, and I'm sure he'd be very jealous of my record this year. (laughs) How's it going, Tomo, Uh, cricket-wise this year? I think we ought to move on, if I'm What's your top score? Uh, Again, I think we ought to move Uh, on. And your average for the season? (laughs) Again, I think we ought to move on. Have you had many innings at all? Because obviously you've got a young baby and it's difficult to try and find time. Oh, you've got his excuse all lined up for him. Yeah, I've had a few games and runs of cuff have been hard to come by. We'll post that picture of Tomo and Graham Smith so that everybody can see just how gorgeous they are. They are indeed. And nice. There is there is a point worth making there, which is which is Graham Smith is gorgeous. <laughs> Have you got any more news on that Titus Tomo feature, Chris? Yeah, well, we've had a couple of suggestions from people, um, and for anybody on Twitter, the hashtag is hashtag tight ass a double s Tomo T O M O, and we had a good one from. At Hudson Accountant, Della Hudson, who we know well, David, uh, slightly controversial, but typical Della, avoid paying financial planning fees by choosing a product from an online website. <laughs> so speaking as somebody that charges financial planning fees, Chris, what do you feel about that as a piece of advice? I think that's excellent. I also think that we should all do our own accounts as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's my accountant. <laughs> no, I think Della has a point. I mean, she's being uh, cheeky, I know she is, but she has a point. You know, if you if the financial planning is... It's all about working out what you want from life. Spend your money on that. Actually, where you buy a product from, um, there are good places to buy them online. As long as you get the financial planning bit first, then, you know, that's a definite possibility. So uh, somebody else who's come in with a suggestion as to how we can uh, economise, should we call it, uh, was Ruth McAllister Kemp at Quincy Lampshade on Twitter. In Cuba, because the economy is so crap, there's a real culture of sharing. Ladders, horses, anything. Anything begs the question as to what else that might be. I like horses as well, actually. <laughs> yes, sharing, horses. sharing a horse. Um, she recommends an app called Borrow It. Well, obviously, uh, Tomo, we've revealed that Chris is now 50. I am over 60. So clearly you're the only person in the room that would even understand what an app is. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting she mentioned Borrow It. I, I, I'd come across it, so worth having a look at. And it, that's a great use of the resources we've got out there. I think we spoke in a previous podcast about some cultures sharing cars. And George Ferguson yeah, was talking about right. it. Yeah. So I, I, really, really good recommendation there. Yeah, th- this week, my top tip is to marry someone with small feet. <laughs> 
So a Japanese person would well, you be recommending? A geisha? I'll give you I'll give you a bit of a background to where I, where, where this came about. So a big thing about if you've got disposable income is spending money on others. And my wife, Lindsay, needed a new pair of trainers. And I said, you know, I've got a bit of money left this month. Why don't I treat you to a pair of trainers? God, you are good to her. Mm. What a lucky lady she I is. Know, right? She never <laughs> ceases telling me how lucky she is. <laughs> well, she hasn't started yet, actually. But... So we went down the local sports shop. Um, we were having a look around. And conveniently, I knew that my wife could fit in size five and a half shoes at a push. Which had a push, <laughs> yeah, at the cost which, of which is important with trainers, isn't it? Yeah, obviously, doesn't really matter if they're comfortable or not, uh, no, style, but if they're cheap, substance. Um, which means that you can get children's shoes, which you save the VAT, save the VAT. So, naturally, there was an adult pair of shoes that looked perfectly fine, or pair of trainers that looked perfectly fine. But there was obviously a children's pair that looked much better because they were much cheaper. So I, what do you think of those? Well, these are really nice. So yeah. uh, did you do the whole, they really suit you, those trainers. Yeah. Those little tight ones that are pinching at the sides, <laughs> they really suit you. Did you then take her out for a meal and say, you really should have the chicken thing, you know? <laughs> Using my app. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there you Great. go. My Great top tip. tip is marry someone with small feet. Great. I think that's something that people can really take on board, don't you? Right, listen, we've waffled on long enough now. I think we should get down to the meat of today's podcast, unless you've got any other little curveballs to throw in, Chris. No, I'm all curveballed out. Right then. OK, so uh, who are we listening to today? OK, so we're going to have a listen to personal finance journalist Simon Reed. He was the last personal finance editor for The Independent newspaper. And writes a column for uh, Money Wise called Fight for Your Rights. He's also on telly, so he's obviously very famous, on BBC One's Right on the Money programme and is a real consumer champion. So let's have a listen to my chat with Simon Reid. So Simon, thanks ever so much for joining us on the podcast this morning. It's my pleasure. We, we had a podcast with Jeff Prestridge earlier in the series and uh, he was he spent a bit of time talking about perhaps financial journalism focuses a lot on the more negative aspects of money and, and debt and problems and helping people, which is of course important, but not so much about the more positive aspects. Do you ever look at that kind of stuff, at the uh, how we can use money to make us happier? Yes, I mean, I, while I was at the Independent, I was given a complete control of the section to write whatever I liked. So, you know, we, you have to cover the news, you have to cover the banking scandals, you have to cover the big deals that might affect people's finances. But I spent a lot of time publishing things which uh, other papers wouldn't, you know, because they were of no value to, to advertisers. You know, they weren't maybe mentioned, but just telling people about some of the things that can help them. And that right down to simple budgeting things they should be thinking about, you know, talking about other ways that their finances, they can get better control of their finances. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, any anything I think about money is that people have a choice. Every penny you spend, every pound you spend means you can't spend it on something else. So <laughs> if, if, if you start thinking about that, you know, it, people say, well, how can you afford that lovely holiday? Because I've saved for it, you know, and by saving for it, I didn't have that coffee every day. I didn't spend a lot of money down the pub that night. You know, I made choices all the time to what what I can do with my money. And once you start making choices, then you start freeing up the money to to do what you want with it. That that, that just strikes me as that's great advice. And sometimes it is quite simple, isn't it? You know, 
the idea that uh, you don't spend something now because you can have something else later. It's not rocket science, actually, is it? People, a lot of people don't know about budgeting. I don't think they understand it because they don't think about it. But it really is simple. Come, and it does come down to the choice. Do you, do you want to have this, this coffee now or this, uh, or this beer? Or do you want to maybe use it when you go on a holiday, maybe put it towards your car, maybe put it towards your first home? Whatever, whatever your particular dreams are, you can achieve them. Even on the smallest income... It's possible to save by just being a bit more sensible about your spending. Mm. I, um, my father used to have um, used to have a pennies jar, and every day when he'd come home, I'm sure many people do this. When he come come home from work, he would just empty whatever he had in his pockets into this jar and forget about it, you know. And it didn't affect his his living or his spending. But every three or four months or so, me and my brother would excitedly empty out the pennies jar, and it would pay for a day trip to London for us. So you're, you're lucky. I, I decided to try and teach my children about the importance of pennies by telling them if you see any money on the street, a penny, a tuppence, five pence, pick it up because it all builds up. And we did it over a year. And I said, at the end of the year, let's see how much you've got. And I put it into a, into a bag, actually, it's a little leather pouch that I had. And by the end of the year, it was bulging. Mm. And we counted it all out, and it was £4.37. <laughs> <laughs> And what lesson did they learn from that, do you think? Um, well, they thought, well, what a waste of time, all that excitement. <laughs> all, all through the year, I said, oh, look, guess what? I found 2p today. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of money that people forget about, and, and it didn't really work as a, as a technique. Instead of that, uh, more recently, in the last, uh, last year, I saved every pound every day when I came home. Any pound I had, I put into a jar. And at the end of the year, I had more than 300 pounds. Yeah. I know from... Um, from personal experience because my my father uh went bankrupt uh, informs a lot of my thinking about money and um one thing that he did which i think many people do when they have financial problems is stick their head in the sand and not deal with it yes that's a very uh traditional thing i mean there people who've contacted me over the years asking for help they haven't helped themselves at all they've run away particularly people who get into debt you know and rather than making some hard decisions which you have to if you're thousands of pounds you have to change your lifestyle you have to stop spending money and and, and make actually hard choices about not having the holidays and this kind of stuff they don't they, they try and carry on you know and ignore it and think well it'll sort itself out and it won't it just gets worse if you don't uh, embrace the debt problems and try and do something positive about them there's a phrase that, that, as you're talking, springs to mind, which um, Michel Magat, again in a previous podcast, mentioned, which is trying to live the same life but on less money. And actually, yes. that's not the answer, is it? You need to make some changes. Oh, you have to make some changes. You know, if you're in debt or if you're saving for something in the future, whether it's a car or a home or even for your retirement, you know, you can't just be profligate with your money. You have to choose how you're going to spend everything and that you know the lifestyle ch changes uh, doesn't doesn't mean making a lifestyle worse <laughs> you know for instance I, I live in london there are lots and lots of free and fun things to do in london you know whether it's parks and museums and art galleries you know and you can have just such a wonderful time just by utilizing those rather than thinking oh, well, i'll go to the theater and spend 70 quid on a on, on a ticket in the book, we talk about clear path to identifiable objectives, and I'm a big one for believing that if the thing that you've got in the future is important enough to you, that will drive you to make changes now. That, that's absolutely right. You know, if, it, if it, as I say, it's a car or a home, even a fantastic holiday that you want to, to build towards, 
you know, you have that in your mind and then it then it does help your decision not to spend the money on, on uh, you know, a chocolate bar or, or whatever. And all these pennies, uh, 50p's and pounds, they all add up to, to, to an awful lot of money. If you, if you have a free pound a week at the end of the year, you've got 50 pounds. You know, in, in five years, you've got 500 pounds. Now, that 500 pounds could be that you put towards your, your, your first car, for instance. You know, and, and that's someone could have saved up that just out of their, their pocket money. Mm. I saw a, an interesting talk from a lady who had repaid quite a large amount of debt. Over three years, she paid off something like £100,000 worth of debt. And the statistic that she gave that really, really hit home to me was the smallest payment that she made off that debt was £4. And that really hit a nerve with me because you're thinking of these big changes that you make. Actually, sometimes it's just an accumulation of small changes, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, it's, it comes right back to that thing about choices. You know, every penny, every pound counts, you know, to, towards your goal or towards freeing yourself from debt, you know, whatever your life plan is. And, and it is, you know, life is a series of routines. The more simple rules and routines you can have for yourself. You know, for instance, I never buy coffee out. If I'm working somewhere, if I'm doing a shift at, uh, at the BBC or the, or the Daily Mirror, I do, do a big pot of fresh coffee in the morning, put it into a flask and take it in, and that lasts, lasts me all day. You know, the other people there, they, they have two or three coffees. They're spending, you know, seven fifty a day on needlessly on money. The same with packed lunches. I always take a packed lunch. You know, I, I play a lot of football. I like to go down to the pub afterwards. Now, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a waste of money going down the pub buying a couple of rounds. But I think, well, I've, I've decided to save money by uh, making my own lunch, making my own coffee, and I can use that money then to have a, have a bit of a, a waste a bit on a Friday night. Yeah, it's choices, isn't it? It's, may, it's knowing what you want, making choices that fit with that. The, the main mistake is ignoring money, thinking I can't do anything about it or I, I will never be able to achieve that. You know, and it's, you know, millions of people just drift through life, never really thinking about their finances. And I understand why. It's, it's daunting. It's dull. There's better things to do than, than, than worry about the, the money. And, and a lot of people, you know, they're just about managing or they, or they get by. You know, why, why do they need to think about it? The reason why they need to think about it is it will make their life better. A lot of the personal finance um, that you see, both um, whether it's uh, Paul Lewis or if it's if it's the newspapers, um, the financial, a uh, Carl Richards expression, financial porn. A lot of it is about investment returns, Best Buy, ISA, and all this kind of stuff. You sound you're a bit more of a, a kind of a consumer day-to-day -day champion. That that seems to me to make a lot more difference. I mean, going back to the Independent when I started there, it was mainly about um, uh, you know investment-related stuff, helping helping people who've already got a decent portfolio make the most of it. And it's you know it's quite interesting writing that stuff. It's it's fascinating meeting fund managers and talking about how the, how they how they do it. But frankly, a lot of people you know are speaking to people to try to help them, and then they'd already made some informed decisions. I couldn't really help them much, you know, so I, I felt the focus is much more important to help people who really didn't need help. There are people with lots of money in Newtail help, you know, maybe they, they, they've, they've got some, a legacy or something and they put it in some fund and they don't really know what they're doing. They need help as well to understand what risk is and why they need to use it in their long-term financial planning and how they need to cope with the possibility of money going up and down. I like to help people. That's what I think journalism should do. And, and helping people make even more of their finances, even when they've already got 100000 or 250000 that's useful too, of course. Mm. Yeah. 
I've got a theory that people want to look at their finances as little as possible. People don't want to engage with their money. They'd rather somebody else just dealt with it. Again, it's because they, they're scared of making mistakes themselves or it's a bit tedious, you know, so they don't want to engage with it. They, the, the idea of letting someone else handle it, that, 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 that's quite attractive. You know, great, my money's sorted and now I can get on with the more important things in life. And, and that is right because there are more important things in life than worrying about money. But money is a fuel that helps us uh, make the most of the more important things in life. You know, so engaging with it is, is going to be to, to, to the best for everyone. You know, I think people with um, uh, lots of money who, who don't engage with it are, they're giving themselves a hard time needlessly. You know, there's, there's, there's a, a lot of people, for instance, worry about the world, worry about uh, poverty and all these kind of things, yet they invest in companies that perpetuate some of these things that we care about. You know, why don't they do something about it? You can change things by, you know, investing in ethical funds or, or putting your money towards uh, towards better things, you know, it's these sort of things that actually make you feel better about yourself and better about the world. Another way that money can help you have a better life. But that, again, that needs you just to engage a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, getting people to engage is, is the difficult one. And pensions is, is a huge problem, you know, and it's going to be a huge problem for decades of people, for, for the millennials, for the Generation uh, X, or for the people who are two or three years away. You know, none of us are saving enough. Uh, none of us want to, want to think about it for logical reasons, because it's a long way away or because it's, it's really boring. Pensions, the very name puts people off, you know. Uh, I, I was trying to say to people, forget about pensions, you're saving uh, for 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 your retirement, you're saving to to have a have a nice or a comfortable lifestyle in your retirement. It's the same as when you saved for a car or for your home, you know, and and you were motivated to do that. Therefore, you should be motivated for saving for for your retirement. And you know, once you start having that debate with people about what kind of lifestyle they want when they're older, you know, then they, then they start to get it much more than thinking about oh, I've got this pension, you know, tax relief, all these things like oh well, everything must be going well. For, for, for most people, it's not going well. And the only way that's going to change is, once again, if they engage with it. One of the, one of the expressions I rather like, it's slightly cheesy, but I quite like it, is I totally agree with you that you can get a vision of what that future might look like, then the whole thing becomes more real. And then you can say it's not a pension, it's bringing that future closer. Yes, no, that's a nice way of looking at it, yeah. We do workshops for groups of employees, and I did um, a day's worth recently at a company, and I must have spoken to 60 people through this day, and I asked them all, who here is invested in the stock market? And three people put their hands up. I then said, hands up, who's a member of your company pension scheme? And everybody put their hands up. And I rather berated them if I'm honest and said yeah. you are all invested in the stock market none of you apart from you three have any idea what level of risk you're taking so engage get involved with your money because it's doing stuff whether you like it or not yeah and you know hopefully a, a lot of those people will it will be fine when they retire they've got a nice healthy pot that they can use for in, in whatever way but you're exactly right they should choose to take higher risk or lower risk depending on what they want to achieve and you know uh, how they feel about uh, risk tell us about right on the money then what what what's that program all about so right on the money is a daytime bbc one show it's broadcast at 9 15 a.m uh, uh it goes out in july two weeks it's 10 episodes and we go to different families around the country and uh, you know, they've come to us and said, oh, please, I need some help. 
and we go to them, look at their finances and try and improve them. You know, so uh, I've just been up to Bradford where I met uh, a, a wonderful family, a, a woman whose uh, husband had uh, sadly passed away. And he had done all the finances. So she was left a bit, well, I don't know what to do now. And even down to your basic things about uh, paying too much for energy. You know, m- most most of her, her bills were too high because she she just hadn't done anything about it. But the... Um, it's also helping people uh, think about money and think about choices. Uh, for instance, this woman has decided to sell her home uh, and downsize, you know, because uh, she doesn't need such a big home now. It'd been on the market for a year, hadn't sold. So we brought in an expert, a house expert, who, who sort of went through it and pointed out some of the things she needed to do to make it sell. And and these are things like take down all your she had loads of pictures, take down all your pictures because you need to depersonalize your home. So that a prospective buyer can think, can imagine it as their home. You know, a lot, a lot of, she had lots of knickknacks, you know, take down knickknacks, make it as, make it an empty as canvas as possible so, so that that fuels the imagination of a potential buyer. She, afterwards, she admitted, well, I knew all this stuff, but I, I needed someone to tell me. And sometimes that, that's all it is with about finance, financial decisions is you just need someone to give you a prod to, to make you, you do something. It's like changing energy supplier. You know, two thirds of people have never changed their energy supplier. So the likelihood is they could be paying two to three hundred pounds a year more than they need to. They don't do it because oh, they don't know that they can make the savings. They can't be bothered or they think it's too difficult. But it's as you know, it really is easy. And once you show someone, which we do on the show, they they think oh well why haven't I done this before? Do you do the same thing for car insurance? Car insurance, uh, a, you know that's a bugbear of mine. <laughs> car insurance, mobile phones, uh, you know everything. Most people who, who haven't thought about their regular bills just pay too much because they accept how they have to pay how much they're told. They trust their supplier, whether it's a bank or a, or a broadband supplier. Oh, this is the price. You know, actually, often it's only anecdotally they talk to their friends, and their friend says, "Oh, I'm paying half as much as you." They realise that actually they can uh, negotiate or move or switch or, or get better deals. You know, and 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 that part of the show is to make consumers more empowered to 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 do those, to make those decisions. We've been talking in our office this morning, funnily enough, about some basic financial tips, and my colleague Adrian gave a great one. He said, "Every time you renew um, any form of contract, tell them you're thinking of leaving." Yeah, and it, and it it just works. It doesn't always work, but it works most of the time because they don't want to lose your customer. Because you know the cost of acquiring a customer is really quite high. You know the amount of marketing and advertising big companies put into it. So you know if they lose you and, and they want to replace you, it's going to cost them hundreds of pounds. Therefore, it's going to be cheaper for them to just cut your cut your charges, cut your bills a little bit. Simon, is there any, um, just to wrap up, is there any one tip that you would um, give to our listeners about how to use their money to make themselves happier? For me, it always comes down to choices. What I say to people who are in debt, who have had debt problems, I tell them that the, the, the one thing they must do is cut up their credit card. And this is quite a simple thing, but it just takes away the temptation. You know, because we're all when feeling a bit down. There's that phrase retail therapy, which I hate. You know, spending money doesn't make you happy. You know, it's like, it's like having a, having a quick drug, which gives you a short term boost and then you regret for the rest of your life. You know, so if, if, if you, if you're having trouble controlling your money, you take away the temptation, you know, and that means actually physically cutting up the credit card and throwing it away. So you can't get in, into further. And, and, and once you, once you start, taking away the, the means to 
to, to spend money needlessly, then that should be the first step into actually spending money with a bit more thought and a bit more planning. And spending money the, the includes saving it, doesn't it? Yes. You know, and, and you know, that, that, that notion that, oh, we haven't had a holiday for years, well, why not? We can't afford it. Well, you know, how much, how much holiday, how much money do you need? For £500, for instance, depending on what time of the year you can go, you can have a lovely holiday in the UK, you can get a lovely cottage somewhere in the Lake District. You know, saving £500, that's, that's only £10 a week. You know, it's building up to, to making people think about, actually, this is achievable. I can afford £10 a week if I cut back on my lottery tickets or, you know, if, if, I, if I cut back on my smoking or drinking, whatever, however they spend their money, they don't need to make that much change to open up the door to, to a much better life. Simon, that's, that's great advice. Before we uh, finish, is there anything that you'd like to promote or anything that you're involved in that you'd like to tell us about? I mean, right in the money, I'd say look out for that. That'll be broadcast in July. I'm uh, currently going around the country. I'm up to Liverpool next week. And then uh, after that, Manchester and Leeds, I think, to see different companies. And it's a really fun program, 45 minutes. You know, Money Wise magazine, I do the column there for, for people's rights. So anybody who's got a problem with a big company, write in. And, and I'm more than happy to sort it out. And that's moneywise.co.uk. Yes. Great. Simon, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate talking to you. All right, great to talk to you, Chris. Well, interesting stuff there from Simon. And one of the common themes that he talks about a lot is how making small changes can have a big effect. And I know we've talked about that in previous podcasts. I like uh, his notion, which actually you talked about as well, of the, the penny jar. Well, interestingly, I do a similar thing. I've got a Tupperware container that's uh, by my bed. And whenever I come and empty my pockets of change, it all goes in there. I will dig pounds and two pound coins out of that when I need them, but most of the small change just stays in there. When it gets full, I uh, take it down to the local Tesco where they've got a big coin machine that sorts it all out. It's usually about 120 quid in there. So, and that's over about nine months probably. So, there's two words I think that really sums up what Simon is all about. First one is choices. Mm -hmm. Make choices, don't just buy something because it's there. Think about what you want from life and then use your money on that. You know, that's our that's our mantra, isn't it? Make choices. And the other word that he says a lot is engage. Don't ignore money. Engage with it. Make choices. And that will lead to a happier life. And the choices you make aren't always easy ones as well. They can Very be true. hard decisions, whether it's about getting yourself out of debt or whether it's about saving for something that you really, really want. If you want to get out of debt enough or if you want that thing enough, you might actually have to make some tough decisions by looking at your current life. And again, I know that's something that uh, you deal with in the Financial Wellbeing book um, and that we've talked about at length in previous podcasts. Yeah, I, I love his line at the beginning of that interview. Every pound that you don't spend, you get to spend on something else. I really like that phrase because you can just stop for a moment and look at that pound coin on your fingers and think, do I want this now or do I want a beer when I go on holiday to Italy? You know, um, I think that's a really good mantra just to have in the back of your mind. Uh, and I mean, that's certainly, I, I now don't buy as many things, I've got to be honest. I, I don't want to go out shopping. Um, I, I don't buy as much stuff as I used to. I still buy more DVDs and CDs and books than I should. But I have definitely cut down since we've been doing these podcasts and been thinking about it. The other tip of his about changing energy supplier, uh, guilty. I must admit, we haven't changed our energy supplier and I wonder how much money we could be saving if we did. Well, I, I'll tell you what, that. I'll give you some advice here, Chris, because I've changed mine twice in the last three years. Moneysavingexpert.com, 
which is, what's the guy's name? Martin Lewis. Martin Lewis. And you can join their energy club. Right. So what you do is you sign up, you tell them who your supplier is, you tell them how much you're paying, and you tell them what deal you're on. Okay, if it's a fixed-term deal. And when your fixed-term deal ends, they will say, you're now paying too much for your energy. Uh, And these are all the people that you could go to where you would be paying less. And I'm saving, on top of the savings that I made last time, another £300 a year. Wow. So I am now paying £600 a year, between five and £600 a year less for my gas and electricity than I was three years ago. You must use an awful lot of gas and electricity. Well, I do, yes, but I'm paying... You, I'm, you're a very good cook. That yeah. must be it. <laughs> yeah, but you never have the heating on here. It's always cold. <laughs> Uh, no, but I'm say I am saving a lot of money. And wrapping this together, are you then making a choice on how to spend that money? Are you using it to bring your future closer? Uh, in one way, yes, I am. But also, um, and this brings us nicely full circle. I just spent a fair chunk of it on that very nice holiday. Well, there you in go, Italy. What a but, wonderful! So you made a choice. You re- re- change your energy supplier, save money, and use that money to buy experiences on a holiday. Wonderful. Exactly. So. I think that's all we have to deal with today. Uh, it's been a pleasure as ever, Chris, to spend time talking with you. Thank listen, you for your company. Listening to the wise words of Simon Reid. Let's not forget producer Tomo over there. So thanks very much for listening. We'll be back very soon with another Financial Wellbeing podcast. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. As we journey along life's wicked road, so selfish are we for silver and gold. You can treasure your wealth, your diamonds and gold, but my friend, it won't save your poor wicked soul.